Hello and welcome to the Brother, Brother, Brother podcast. I'm your host, Wyndham Lewis, and I'm here with my brother, Jeremy Sartori, as a Brother, Brother podcast. And today we are continuing our uh, trend of one episode. Uh, we are going back and looking at two of our favorite albums of all time, The Replacements, Let It Be, and The Replacements, Tim. And it is a Tim versus Let It Be, and... I don't even know which one you come down on on this. Uh, I don't know which one I come down on on this. It's like it's even, should we do a coin what? flip? <laughs> yeah, it's even it's even less you know apparent than the OK Computer versus the Benz for me. Yeah. Um, but I've listened to both of these probably start to finish as many times as I've ever listened to any album, and it's time to go for a song for song uh, battle royale again. Uh, replacements. Uh, gave us did us the favor of of recording eleven songs on each album, so it's a symmetrical match, if not a uh, fair one. But um, I really don't know which album I like more. Yeah, I think we'll we'll kind of come to a conclusion at the end. But do you want to take a side for the 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 uh, purposes of the WWE wrestling match, and we can uh, yes. write the script as we I, go? I think I think the only uh, way to do this is me taking Let It Be. Yep. which was my first replacement album, and you taking Tim, which is probably yours. That works for me, and it is. I had it on cassette tape that we bought at the Hanover Mall, so um, <laughs> I'm down. <laughs> um, I think initially I'm going to just go out of the gate saying I'm at a little bit of an unfair advantage, but I'll let you take the, the masterpiece known as I, I Will Dare. Uh, yeah, I will. Do you want to give a little background <laughs> on the album when it came out? Sorry. Yeah, uh, Let It Be came out in 84, um, Tim came out in 85, I believe, and, uh, Let It Be, um, Last on Twin Tone Records, so Last Independent, yeah. um, and Let It Be, or Jesperson, sorry, Tim. Jesperson. Yep. Friend of the podcast, Peter Jesperson, was still managing the band, uh, friend of the podcast and friend of mine, Michael Hill, then signed the band to Warner Brothers, Sire, and Tim, uh, was produced by Tommy Erdely, a.k.a. Tommy Ramone. Um, and I will take a uh, an early jab at you and say overproduced by Tommy Erdely. Yeah. Um, I, <laughs> it's, it'll, it'll come up as a theme. I think this is like one of the problems with, with Tim in general, but I, I think as an album I, I will... Uh, Certainly be able to fucking uh, have some shots because it, it is a great record. It just has a, a, an 80s great production songs. feel that it, it doesn't need. But, you know, mind you too, and I, this is actually going to be my defense, and, and Wyndham, you know, we talked about I Will Dare, um, the first song off Tim is, is Hold My Life. I Will Dare is, is probably, to me, one of the most classic replacement songs ever. It, it kind of shows all sides of a band that went from being a snotty kind of hardcore band into a college rock, alternative, whatever you want to call it, rock and roll um, band, and I think the minute you put on whole, uh, <laughs> I Will Dare, off Let It Be, you're kind of, tra- it, it's just like, whole, it might be one of their best songs ever. It's um, an announcement. And it was I, so sorry, arresting when I remember buying this album, yeah. just because I, w- I had no idea, you know, it was back in the day when you didn't get a chance to test drive everything and nothing was on the radio. Um, so I bought, I I bought it blind and, um, I will dare was the first song. And I was like, you know, I was a big REM fan at the time. I saw Peter Buck was, uh, the guest guitarist. He was actually meant to produce the album, but didn't. 
Um, but he came in and guested on this song and uh, played the uh, played the jangly guitar and the guitar solo. And um, it was just it was just weird for me because I was you know I was listening to you know some hardcore punk and punk rock, but I was I was sick of hardcore. Um, and um, I will dare came on first song and I was like, wait a second, these guys are good, you know? Yeah, um, like beyond good, and I think in a different way. I think lyrically too. Um, you know, Paul Westberg. If you listen to our pod, we're huge replacements fans. I mean, they're they're kind of our Dylan or, or whoever you want to say. I, I just especially this era. The you know, this is Tim being the last album with Bob Stinson. But um, we've done multiple pods and interviews on with Bob Muir and Trouble Boys, and you know, one of our favorite rock and roll books. So just a band that's really important to us in general. But um, but I, that's the thing that really hit me as a as a young young lad. Um, for let it be was just you know the the lyrics are, are that kind of worn out tired for young guys you know um yeah. and and good and, and really kind of a you know a love song too at the same time tim on the other hand overproduced uh, but i think uh, whole my life's a great opener you know it's, it's a it's a kind it. of ramshackly great three minute song and um actually on uh, consequence of sound there's a great quote from colin brennan um who says you know like if you're trying to explain the phrase college rock to an alien, this isn't a bad three minute way to do it. Mm -hmm. And it's totally true. I mean, I think, um, you know, whole my life is like college rock you know, 80s. Sorry. It's just a, I I really love the song. It just can't touch, you know, I will dare. Yeah. I think it's a, a, uh, you know, sort of victim of its, of its, uh, placement in this case i would also just give it a little bit of a shout out to i just the replacements always have had a weird uh kind of choppy rock and roll style not musical enough to give you the details of why but um but you know it has that kind of just lyric nothing kind of matches sometimes the vocals and the guitar a little bit like everything's a little bit off and i think that's a great great version of that with them where it's Mm -hmm. um you know kind of comes in and, and doesn't really have a chorus but does you know it's cool yeah i i would also uh um just argue that uh if you were gonna explain college rock to an alien there are multiple better ways of doing it on tim itself so that's and that's not just that's not to uh you know in any way disparage hold my life is just a way to tell you that tim is is just chalk a block with great you know with beautifully written songs so anyway number two favorite thing versus i'll buy i gotta go favorite thing here <laughs> i think you're gonna be a little front loaded in this plate actually but uh I like I'll Buy. It's a uh, favorite thing's another classic, right? I mean, I think you got a one-two punch with with Let It Be. A lot of people will say that's that's you know their favorite album, and, and these are two reasons why. What we just named off. The only thing I'll, I'll fight back with with I'll Buy is it, it kind of still, even though it's major label, and then this was a curse and a blessing for replacements fans. Um, it still shows that they have that kind of bratty. Uh, loose rock and roll ability, you know. So I think you know, back in the in the day for for folks, it just was a big deal to go to a major label, and, and a lot of our favorite bands sort of had to change their style and sound. 
And although Tim is, is certainly still overproduced and sounds that way, I think I'll Buy really is just a, a good replacement song, and, and it doesn't sound much different than, than uh, it's, a, it's a lesser version of Favorite Thing, but in, in style, it's, it's there. Yeah, I mean, I would, I would say that, you know, um, I think I'm probably repeating you, but, but I, I have a different, a slightly different, um, you know, version of this, which is I'll Buy is a, is a junked up song, Unfortunately, vacuum sealed in a uh, yeah, in a bad production. <laughs> so it yeah, it would have been so much better if this thing was on um, Let It Be. If it had right. a production value of Let It Be, it would have been a better song. Yeah, this is a band that that like just does not sound sound the same when it when it's kind of. I mean, we just you know saw Wilco the other night and and some of you know. Uh, we're fans of their albums, but there's something you know about some of the songs that on the albums that maybe the later albums that really just come alive live, and I think the replacements have that too, where it's like, you know, a band that that can't really be kind of sealed into a studio, and and uh, and that's that. But I'm 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 rolling in some big big wheels next, so uh, our uh, our next two songs are gonna be we're coming out, uh, let it be, which is a fucking rocker. But it's versus, uh, I think, a really great pop song and, and one of their kind of songs that puts them on the next level, which is Kiss Me on the Bus. So give me your uh, your fight for coming, we're coming out versus Kiss Me on the Bus. Well, uh, you know, it's uh, Kiss Me on the Bus, I actually was thoroughly convinced when I first heard Tim that it was going to be a that it was going to be a top 10 single. It was going to be you the know, Here Comes Your Man, Stand by R.E.M. kind of... Uh, yeah, I really did. Know. I thought this yeah. was going to be a big hit. Yeah. Um, it's a really funny song. It's a, it's a clever lyric. Um, you know, you know, it's just a, it's a very well crafted pop song and uh, we're coming out. The, the, the thing I will say in favor of we're coming out is it, it does show that, you know, the two sides of Monsieur Westerberg, it's, um, <laughs> you know, it starts off as a straight up like hardcore tune and then it, it breaks into like this weird you know nightclub uh kind yeah, of piano uh, and uh rat pack almost kind of um um swinging tune uh look jazzy and um i just i love the fact that you know this was kind of like where they pulled the brakes on their hardcore career or you know it's sort of like you know here's our song and then here comes the, you know, the second act, and it's it's a weird song, uh, for something that seems as simple and stripped down as as this, but it is, uh, you know, changes gears in such a remarkable way that I, I just think it was kind of their announcement of, uh, you know, another piece of career suicide from a band that committed, you know, a decade's worth of career suicides. Yeah, that, that constantly had a uh, an attempt um, and succeeded. But, uh, yeah, I agree with you. I mean, like, I think we're coming out is kind of if you were an early Replacements fan. And it's funny, you know, I think Replacements fans fall into a couple camps, right? I mean, I've heard, you know, um, sorry, what's the front man's name of Titus Andrianicus? I can't recall it off the top of my head right now. Patrick Stickles. Patrick Stickles. Yeah, talk about, you know, loving this band, but really only loving, like, the first three albums and then later getting into these, uh, you know, these uh, Tim and, and Let It Be or even going up to let it be and ending at the major label, you know, as a kid, as a kind of a punk kid, me, yeah. until he was hanging out with Craig Finn, who was like, everything's good, you know, and played all these stuff. And um, and I think, like, if you were a fan of Ma, Take Out the Trash, or, you know, Stink, and you kind of are even Hootenanny, 
and this was one that kind of gave you that that to your point the hardcore kind of punk start and then it does it just shows that this band was just growing and, and I think Westerberg in general made it okay for people to start to write differently in this circle I mean REM obviously mm-hmm. was big but hardcore kids didn't listen to REM they listened to the replacements you know yeah I think, I think um, you know it was Minneapolis it was like yeah it was the other was one like cool. the post hardcore yeah. scene you know um, or it wasn't post hardcore it was during but it was like an intelligent kind of almost pop influenced hardcore but that said I, I, I'm gonna go Kiss Me on the Bus beats you on this one mainly because it's it's not a song about a school bus it's a song about going to work every day which I always thought was cool um, I also and when you listen to lyrics you hear it and the romanticism is, is pretty hilarious and I just think we're coming out as, as you know it's two dimensional, but uh, in the sense that it's kind of two pieces of a song, but it, it kind of sounds one dimensional altogether. And mm-hmm. "Kiss Me on the Bus" is the first song that I, to your point, and, and this isn't a knock; it's it's actually a compliment. It's a first song from a band I love that I was like, oh, other people would love this song too. Like this song could be on the radio. To your point, you know, like it's uh, should have been. It's a really good pop song, and it, and it's got a great you know kind of feel. And it's another song too, and and I you know shamefully never saw these guys live and, and still uh, I mean you know still beating myself up for it but um, if you see them perform it live and you know it's, it's a great live song too it kind of rocks out more it, again a little bit confined from the, the production here but uh, what do you think yeah, I we, we, Tim wins this one I do too uh, weird side note um, you know for a guy who's as literate and uh, and writes such great songs Paul Westerberg and I don't think this was a put-on, absolutely could not remember his own lyrics. Oh, really? That's hilarious. <laughs> and he would just kind of, like, fudge through it. He'd just be like, you're, you know, transfer, hand, answer. <laughs> you know, um, he just kind of sounded it out. I don't know what the what the block was, but he it weirdly, I mean, in that, that was career long. I saw them a lot, and uh, that yeah, was Yeah, how many times did you he, see the replacements? I don't know, probably seven or eight. Wow, yeah, that's I'm great. thinking... Um, my favorite one being at the living room in Providence when uh, Bob Stinson was wearing a tutu and uh, I was 16 years old and, and I was, uh, wasn't, couldn't drink, didn't have a fake ID and uh, left and had bed spins because it was so loud. Nice. <laughs> uh, which was weird. Um, yeah. But yeah, that was, uh, I, I, you know, and most recently saw them at, in L.A. at the... Um, uh, is it the Palladium that's on that's across from Sunset Gower? I forget. Um, and and also at uh, um, Forest Hills. Hills. And I have to say they were a better live band. I mean, as legendary as they were for fucking around and and you know sometimes you went and you were kind of disappointed. I mean, I didn't want to hear Ted Nugent covers when I went to see the replacements. I wanted to hear replacement songs. So um, the last tour that I saw them on, they were actually their most professional and you know could be a function of age but i actually appreciated it for that not not only that but i i uh i walked in to the hollywood show without knowing that there was an opener and x opened and oh, uh well, that's yeah i mean that that's your 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 uh you could that was die, my dream you know? <laughs> yeah it's like your classic that lineup my, that was my dream lineup so anyway that was a diversion that we didn't need to take. But anyway. Nah. Uh, no, number that. four, the uh, the Battle of the Losers. Yeah. Dose of Thunder versus Tommy Gets Tonsils Out. And and this is a classic replacements moment, by the way. <laughs> you know, it's sort of like, 
wow, these first two tracks are fucking on our first three, sorry, on fire. And, uh, and let's, how do we fuck this up a little bit, you know? And, um, I hate Actually, that, I think that was the uh, credo for the entire band. How do we fuck this up a little bit? <laughs> exactly. I, I I can't stand Tommy gets his tonsils out. I don't like when Dose of Thunder's fine. You know what I mean? It's it's not uh, unlistenable by any means, and it's it's just kind of a, a you know is what it is, right? It's a kind of ripper that that is uh, you know kind of just not that great. It's their you know? it's their arena rock song. Yeah, that, you know. It's like the fact the that these guys grew up kiss. on classic rock and Kiss and yeah, exactly. And Ted Nugent, to your point, and that's their version of it. Um, where I, I just don't love Tommy got his tonsils out. I'm gonna again go with the Battle of the Losers, uh, Tim here. So we're 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 catching up. See, I'm, I'm actually gonna I'm gonna this is gonna be a split decision. I'm gonna go with Tommy gets his tonsils. Really? Out. Okay, I'm surprised. Yeah, I get um, this over with. I tee off in an hour. Come on. Yeah. All right. Uh, should we hear something real quick and then come back with sure. some, uh, some... But not Tommy Gets His Tonsils Out. Let's, no, uh, let's do either... Let's do Kiss uh, Me on the Bus. All right, sounds good. Thanks, Damien. back to the brother 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 pod and uh win and i have done uh this is our second edition of, of uh classic albums versus classic album uh heavyweight uh you know hulk hogan versus uh rowdy rowdy piper here and um our next two songs sorry we're doing replacements tim versus let it be and uh i think our next two songs kind of uh you know show just how kind of all over the place but in a good way and how diverse this band was and ahead of its time it was and i'm gonna let you take the the uh let it be song here I'm going to call this the rumble in the suburbs. Um, <laughs> Ali Foreman. Um, number five is, on Tim is Waitress in the Sky. And number five on Let It Be is the classic Androgynous. And I'm going to say that Waitress in the Sky is a song I loved uh, when I was a kid. I thought it was hilarious. Um, anytime I flew, it rang in my head. And, yeah. it, you know, the... the um, the backstory on it is kind of funny because, you know, and, and this is courtesy of Bob Mayer and Trouble Boys, but, um, you know, I, I always thought it was just a, you know, him complaining about a stewardess um, back in, you know, when they started to tour or something. Turns out it was, a, it's his sister was a <laughs> uh, flight attendant and this was kind of a fuck you, you know, kind of a, I mean, I think he was fond of his sister, but it was just Yeah, a just song. sort of like, you're just a waitress in the sky, which is great. Yeah, and it, it that has only gotten uh, more pertinent as it, I mean, it's only gotten more true as as the uh, as the world has progressed and and people have started wearing, you know, sweats on planes. Um, number five on Let It Be, also a uh, a song about uniforms, androgynous. Uh, I think it's a beautiful song. The sentiment was way ahead of its time, and. Uh, 
I don't know. I don't know what to tell you except that uh, this it is kicks a, the shit out of no anything. Yeah, a ding ding. Androgynous is one of the most, uh, I think, beautiful, well written, and uh, you know, kind of mind bending songs in a weird and for 1984, right? I mean, it's a uh, yeah, it's a song that Way you know, I, being you know years younger than you, it's a song that I heard and was like in love with but also kind of uncomfortable with in a weird way you know just as a young kid like what is he saying like oh cool you know like it was just cool and it was different and so hands down I think one of the again one of the things that makes Paul Westerberg such a genius songwriter and also just a, a great song and, and you know I think people now cover that song with glee at you know rallies and things like that and it's mm. funny from coming from this snotty kind of you know uh you know, I'd say lower class, less than blue collar class band that, uh, what was it, Jan- we'd either be Janitors, Dead, or, uh, you know, in a rock band, um, Ethos, so. Yep, Janitors, yeah. uh, famous Janitors or Prison, I think it was, or one of the, I forget. So next one, we've got um, song number six. We've got Gene Simmons coming alive via The Replacements with Black Diamond versus Swingin' Party. Um, I guess yeah, it's not a hard it's not a hard one for me me either swinging party I, I I don't neither of us like kiss and uh, the replacements doing a mediocre version of kiss is better than kiss to me but um mm-hmm. but you know I know a lot of people do swinging party is just too good it's a great song it's and a I, great song it's a really I mean it's a very poignant very um you know it's very melancholy and it's it's weird he's got this this weird sort of tin pan alley um you know 40s jazz kind of thing um i mean i guess it's it's later than that 50s but um it's just a it's a weird song to throw in the middle of an, a record and it and it kind of is the inflection point in this album because i you know again in terms of nobody nobody sabotaged themselves as well as the replacements did um and to me, the second half, the second side of of Tim is so much better than the first side of Tim. Even yep. though the first, I love both, but yep. like, talk about backloading an album. I mean, it's it's it, the sequencing is just weird. Um, it's a bad, poorly sequenced album, and I think. Um, but I agree. I, I also think it kind of like the exuberance of Let It Be, which is, it just feels young. In a, in a way, for mm-hmm. a band that always felt a little old or worn, you know? Um, and I don't, mm-hmm. again, mean that in a negative well, way. Well, it's weird, and, too. I mean, I, age, I don't but... know if... I'm not sure if Tommy Stinson was legal to drink by the time Tim came out. Right. And you did have a weird age kind of grouping in there because his brother Bob was much older. Um, you know, Bob famously plays on Let It Be, kind of hangs out and plays solos on tim and things like that because he, he just couldn't quite keep it together really tragic story if you ever want to read um trouble boys which is an amazing book and you really see kind of the the demons of that guy had to had to deal with really sad actually and then um you know one of the the saddest kind of post replacements articles i've ever read along with lane stanley's death from allison change was in spin magazine and uh when i've referenced that before it's just like makes you want to it's not terrifying. be an alcoholic you know um, but I don't think I mean, he had a choice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it's, it's the one where he offers the the um, journalist yeah, reporter some like heroin a, just to yeah. be polite. And it, yeah, just you're really just like sad. Sad. 
Um, but that said, they kind of get it back to Swing and Party. Um, you know, I just also feel like, wow, like that song kind of just put them in sort of like classic country atmosphere or something. You know what I mean? It's, it's just got this like older feel Hank to Williams. it, like mature. Yeah. yeah, like sort of like we know what's going to happen in this story, you know? Um, and, I, and I love that song. So, yeah, I, I'm back and feeling good about it. Mm-hmm. Um, oof. I know, this, this is, is like, the heavyweight. <laughs> shit, I didn't realize these matched up until just now. <laughs> I probably put Unsatisfied on more mixes in my teenage years than any other song, put it that and way. And I probably put Bastards of Young on more mixes in my later years than more any song. <laughs> in my entire life, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so um, I mean, I almost could put, say... Are we going to puss out and call this a draw? Well, here's... Yeah, I mean, they're both... Let's just give them both a little, a few moments here, because these are two yeah. of probably the most classic replacement songs ever. Um, I think Unsatisfied, to me, again, kind of like hearing Androgynous on Let It Be was just like such a different level of songwriting and of of a band that, that kind of was, you know, loose and ramshackle and fun and snotty. But that song is, is just powerful. You know, 12-string acoustic guitar, it's got... Um, just the lyrics are, are, you know, you can really feel it and hear it. It's sung and recorded in a way that, that seems really intimate. sincere. Yeah. And intimate and kind of, and I think Paul Westerberg from Trouble Boys was sort of embarrassed about going in that direction a little bit as you would be in your, your twenties coming from kind of punk and rock and roll movement and, and beer guzzling nonsense. Um, you know, much like I've heard James Murphy talk about, like, being embarrassed to show his friends, you know, the song All My Friends, you know, because it was, like, kind of intimate for him. But it's 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 a song that just kind of, like, it, it the album cut really ca- captures it all, right? I mean, it's mm-hmm. one of the best album cuts ever, and I think it just kills it. Um, I think Bastards of Young is almost like a, a generational anthem. It is. You know, I think it's now, the Gen let X let anthem. Let me ask you a qu- let me ask you a question because this is this is weird. I don't think I I realized until like last year or the year before that it's bastards of young instead of bastards of the young, which is just uh, a, I always knew it was bastards of young. <laughs> a little quibble, and I also I also always thought it was we are the sons of no one, and it's actually wait on the sons of no one. Okay, um, that I always thought we are the sons of no one. Yep, but, but it is now. That's what yeah. that's it's become that. Yeah. You know, it, the lyric changed because the world willed it that way. Yeah, um, no, totally. But anyway, this is a this is an unwinnable battle because I think Unsatisfied, I remember listening to Unsatisfied, you know, in, in my pretend head uh, being a rock journalist when I was, you know, however old I was, uh, 15 or whatever when it came out. Um, I was like, you know, ready to declare Paul Westerberg is 10 times the songwriter that Bruce Springsteen is. Yeah, <laughs> and, but I can hear both you, of them in the song, right? Yeah, and I think you're right there. And I think "Bastards of Young" too. I mean, sorry, "Unsatisfied." I agree with you 100 percent there. But and I think "Bastards of Young" is a song that, like, I, I'm gonna go on a limb here because I don't know. Um, but I, I feel like this is a, a fair, fairly male band. Many mm-hmm. you know, fans of you know this band tend to be male. I think he speaks to you if you're you're kind of a sensitive male who has a little bit of a you know uh, or a lot of a kind of buck the system mentality or kind of questions things 
and uh, our young male, and I think Bastards of Young has like become that. And we've seen how many people we've seen cover the song, and it's just like euphoric, you know. Craig Finn. Every time I see somebody else play, <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. laughs> and you almost can't do. I mean, we went and saw you know Beach Slang do a whole uh, night of, of where they covered uh, Please to Meet Me in entirety, but they couldn't not do Bastards of Young. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like you had to kind of with Craig Finn, by the way, you couldn't. Not do that. So, um, yeah, I'd say draw, but, I, you know, it, it's a tough one for me. I, I mean, I, if I had to pick one, I'm going to pick Bastards of Young. Bastards of Young is also got my favorite, maybe my favorite rock lyric of all time. Yeah. Which has been quoted a gazillion times, but ones love us best are the ones we lay to rest, visit their graves on holidays at best. Ones love us least are the ones we'll die to please. If there's any consolation, I don't pretend to understand it. Yeah. Um, Fucking and one of the best music videos and one of the best uh, We Screwed Our Career Again performances at Saturday Night Live, if you want to YouTube it. <laughs> yeah, do it. All right, All right let's move on because this one is just too tough. And then, yeah. you know, we come to an eight and it's like, eh. Yeah, <laughs> it's the replacements, you know. <laughs> yeah. It's just kind of the like they can't, they can't not have something, you know, fabulous without, you know, completely... Uh, throwing up on the carpet um and i'm gonna give this one to let it be and i don't care if we talk about these songs or not do you no only uh that actually senior video is a really good song i don't yeah you know the lyric is super dated now yeah and um you know it's sort of a line in the sand about mtv yeah which uh, then if you okay let me let's tell the story because i hate when people reference shit and then don't tell you what they're talking about so bastards of young was a single off of was a single it was actually kiss me on the bus i believe was the first single um bastards of young was a single and you know it was the height of mtv um making careers and replacements were a good looking bunch of guys you know they were cool um you know they had it was actually there was it was between them and rem for college rock to be the who was going to be the big you know that was kind of a competition you know and you too yeah um and then uh and so they put out a video of Bastards of the Young, which is a lit cigarette in an ashtray sitting on top of a speaker. And yes. the song plays, and nothing else happens in the video. And then at the end, Great. someone kicks the speaker over. Yeah. Um, Fuck you, MTV. Yeah. <laughs> Senior video is a song about hating MTV, essentially, um, and the phoniness. And that was a real thing. You know, it, I think, you know, what's funny is you talk about major labels. I think the major label, like, real, um, like, the shaming for jumping to a major label was really much more prominent in the 90s. Like, yes. Like, most bands were on major labels. Yeah, there really the wasn't a lot of, yeah, Because there wasn't 80s. a whole lot of indie yet. I mean, this was, there, this was a few years prior to, you know, all the, all the indie labels. I mean, there was SST, and there was IRS, but, and Slash, but there wasn't really... A whole lot of indie labels, and they were a, you know, they were a, they were the minor leagues. They were where you went to hone your craft until you got to a major label. I mean, X was on a major label, um, so you know, it was the stigma wasn't around being on a major label as opposed to an indie. The stigma was around, you know, trying to you know poof yourself up for MTV versus not giving a shit. And, um, you know, the replacements proved time and time again that they didn't give a shit, but they did. (laughs) Uh, And they paid for it. Yeah, 100%. And um, I think, you know, 
we can move on to Gary's got a boner <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, versus another... uh, the second sort of uh, Gen X uh, rock and roll anthem on, on Tim. So, I, you know, if you want to give Gary's got a boner a uh, shout out, feel free. Otherwise, I'm um, going to talk about the left of the I used to hate it because it was, you know, so sophomoric, but now I kind of think it's funny. Um and it's a there's, good, it's a ripping tune. But yeah, um, there's Left nothing the bad is, on on the, either of these albums. I mean, there's nothing I, I can't listen to. And and I agree with you. I used to kind of just think Gary's got a bunch of stupid, and it is stupid, and that's what's fun about it. Left of the dial is is though one of those songs that like once you hear it, um, you really can't stop listening to it. Right? It's it's. I've uh, never gotten sick of this song. And yeah. It, honestly, it is. It is an, it's a statement of purpose, but more than that is it's a love song. Yep. It's and I didn't actually know it was a love song until I read Trouble Boys. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that's about a, a gal that Westerberg was seeing. I forget who, but it was also in a band. And it was you know, Kristen this is Kristen Hirsch. Yeah, I think it was, and it, it was the time that you're sort of traveling around and in, in vans and, and city to city and. And it's just like the perfect road song, you know, for a band, for bands, you know, and and then also the the classic left of the dial, which has become, you know, some a way to describe <laughs> underground yeah. music, you know, they they kind of know just like bastards of young is a way to describe the gender of Gen X, you know, it's mm-hmm. it's great, um, but like uh, yeah, I, I love the song, I love the lyrics, I love the different landscapes around the country, it's delivered perfectly. The guitar riff is is awesome. Uh, this song actually is one of those ones that has like an emotional uh, appeal to me too. It's, it's just a great fucking song. Heard about your band? It's uh, highly. I think I, it, it's one of the best songs on Tim. It's anthemic and and sensitive. It's it's a weird yeah. combo. It's a. Um, it is kind of the. It's kind of the distil, distillation of of what makes this band great. Yeah, it is. It really is. It's it's one of the few bands that could kind of, and again, not to harp on just sort of being a, a younger, you know, adolescent male or whatever, but it was the band that kind of allowed you to feel something and be bratty, you know, and be mm-hmm. a, a bit of a punk. Um, mm-hmm. Before we move on, because we were kind of coming towards the, the final run here, let's go ahead and listen to, uh, we did Tim's song already, but now I want to play Left of the Dial. Um, why don't you Let's pick do it one again? Do it left of the dial. We'll do left of the dial. Great. Okay, well, number 10 is, uh, I think, the second 
knockdown drag out heavyweight championship on this uh, card. It's it's Can almost like more. a double bill instead of an undercard. So um, it's Little Mascara off Tim versus 16 Blue off of Let It Be. And again, two of um, the best written songs that Paul Westerberg ever, ever recorded. Yeah, I think two songs that take this band again to a different level. Um, I think 16 Blue is one of the most kind of um, delicately, yeah, insightful (laughs) songs about being young. And um, I listen to that song now and it just means so much more to me, you know, even than it did then. And I I think it's it's so good. We're a little mascara, kind of flipping, you know, the Bastards of Young and Unsatisfied for me age-wise. Um, Little Mascara is one that I listened to back then and thought was like, whoa, that's heavy and deep and, you know, and, and very, uh, you know, about just being unhappily married. And, and the line, Little Mascara, is, is one of the best written lines ever, I think. I agree. All you're losing is a little mascara. And that's a, just a fucking great line. Um, mm-hmm. But um, I'm going to edge on this one with 16 Blue. I, I just, for a guy that young, to have written that this song and, and kind of it be so sort of on point. Um, and both songs are great. I mean, I could almost call this one a split too. It, it, it's, it's, they're both excellent. Yeah, I think 16 Blue, the vocal, the delivery is what yeah. really makes the song. Um, yep. Is the sort of, you know, we always talk about that sort of, um, you know, the, the sort of exile on Main Street factor of, of like sounding like a band that's exhausted. Yeah. And 16 Blue has that, Again, perfectly distilled. I do think, though, that Little Mascara is a, an amazing pop song on top of just being a great lyric. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I again, I'm going to... And 16 Blue, again, was not my favorite song when I was young. Little Mascara was. And now they've kind of evened out. And yep. I'm stuck. I don't know. I think I'm going to call, call it a draw. split round. I mean, I think, you know, I think you're right. I think the one thing with Tim was the major label and, and this band was always trying to be big, like like all bands were. And um, I could I never hear. This, I don't I don't recall this being a single, frankly. I don't. It probably it was. wasn't. I don't remember back then. But I would say that uh, I could hear Little Mascara being a single. Uh, 16 Blue would Should not have been. Have been. Um, and so I agree with you there. But yeah, that song has just kind of really grown on me. It's, it's when I play Tim or sorry, let it be now. I'm always psyched to hear it, um, and it mm-hmm. just it, it's one of those bands too in a weird way. And, and you know, I, I really has become. If I had to to say like you know, which I, I hope I never have to do, gun to the head or whatever, like you know, last wishes. Who's your Who's the band you want to listen to? I think it's the Replacements. You know, I, I think they're the band that kind of capture all the things I love about music in one kind of ramshackled drunk uh you know collection and um and songs like 16 blue or why and and little mascara for sure yeah it's funny i i'm still trying to envision who is going i think i say this every time who's going to put a gun to your head and demand that um oh i mean usually they just want your your wallet yeah (laughs) um yeah, Take my like playlist of the replacements. And your, fa- <laughs> and your favorite band. Um, and your three best directors. Um, yeah. But or anyway. who's going to strand um, you on a on desert island? Well, yeah. <laughs> and also, what's the, what are you playing? Deserted, the, the, sorry. The, 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 
Desert Island Discs on? That's always been I mean, my question about that yeah, one. Yeah, exactly. Um, but that said, if that does ever happen, it would be the replacement. Yeah. All right. Um, we can make it, and we can arrange it. Um, yeah. Anyway, number 11 and, and the final final round here is uh, Here Comes a Regular versus Answering Machine. Yeah, I think both are really good. Um, I think I'm going to say Here Comes the Regular is uh, one of my favorite replacement songs, though. Another one. So if you, mm-hmm. it's just a, it, it's a great way to end the album for me on Tim. It's, a, it's just the barroom song, you know? Like, it's, um, it's a song, again, that I didn't probably love as much when I first heard it, and it's really kind of grown on me. It's a, that's a funny thing. I'm the opposite. I loved this song when I was... Well, because it came out when I was in high school, as opposed yeah. to you, uh, who was yeah, being uh, not not in bar know. rooms yet. Yeah, you were somewhere between Infamil and Diet Coke at that point. Um, but uh, I think Answering Machine is a, another song that I've really come to love because it it's just it's such a desperate uh, yeah. plea. And again, it's uh, you know it's so funny. I mean, the replacements. Uh, uh, you know, self-sabotaging as they were. They also wrote a bunch of songs that uh, are kind of timeless and yet completely dated because of their subject matter. I mean, answering machines don't exist. Yeah, Yeah. music videos are, you know, like railing against, you know, people selling out by making videos and, 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 um, you know, answering machines is kind of funny. But the sentiment is, you know, basically... I, I, you know, I'm in love and I can't reach you. Yeah. And it's, it's a really, you know, again, another vocal that just, you know, really kind of sounds tragic and it, it's kind of beautiful for it. I, I love that here comes a regular. Um, yeah, it's, it's hard to it, call this here You know, these albums are, are really, really similar in a sense like it's almost like let it be was it's like you take let it be and you make it a major label album with with what at the time was considered better production and now sounds you grow it up yeah yeah and that's really what these albums are they really mirror each other in a a great way um and i yeah i think you know in general like not to to cop out here but it, it kind of is a draw because if you take the best songs off both these albums they're all my favorite replacement songs you know and throw in a few others mm-hmm. from from um Pleased to meet me, and you're good, you know. And I really only need and those. A couple you off Hoot Nanny, yeah. Yeah, a couple off Hoot Nanny, but I mean, it's not, as much as I like some of the other stuff, and, and not the, not so much the later stuff. But after Pleased to meet me, but uh, it's there's like you know onesies two and twosies. These are two, yeah. These are amazing, and uh, albums that I listen to more than any other album. I mean. Mm-hmm. Tim, I had Tim on cassette. I got, uh, you know, Let It Be on vinyl post Tim. Um, you know, mind you, I came up on the Don't Tell a Soul years of the replacement. So my not seeing them was they were opening for, I think, the Pixies and Cure or something weird like that, like back in the 80s. Yeah. And um, I couldn't go because I was too young and my friend got to go or mo- our mother wouldn't let me go. And then I famously, you know, was like waiting for tickets for that Forest Hill show and, and got a new job and had to fly out for it and gave them to you and Christian as a good brother would. Um, but it was, um, you know, very disheartening for me not to see them. I, I, my favorite band, I don't have a problem saying it, No Gun Needed, and uh, two of my favorite albums ever. Yeah. So, uh that settles it. Uh, there's absolutely uh, 
no satisfying ending to this podcast. We are going to uh, just we're going to blow we're... ourselves up like the replacements did and just say... <laughs> yeah. and, just, <laughs> and just quit. And, exactly. Uh, say, well, yeah, they're both great. But uh, yeah, if you don't, if you if you're if you're a huge replacements fan, go back and listen to the interview I did for our hundredth episode, which was me sitting in Peter Jesperson's living room uh, uh, interviewing Bob Mayer, who wrote Trouble Boys, Peter Jesperson, who discovered and managed the replacements, and Michael Hill, um, who was a former coworker of mine, uh, and sign, who signed them to their major label deal, and it was a really kind of fun conversation because they were an incredibly frustrating band, but all three of those guys love them. Yeah. And, and I mean, love them personally, um, cared for them, cared about them. And, uh, you know, we're rewarded in a way that only the replacements can reward you by getting, kicking them in the nuts essentially with the exception of, you know, Bob who, who, um, you know, was not there in the early end, but um, I think chronicles them in what I, you know, dare to call the best rock and roll book I've ever read. Uh, I was just gonna say, yeah, and and, and you know, segue to that is, is the Trouble Boys, which was um, a powerful rock and roll book about a band that we love and and, and a great story and, and a well amazingly written story. Um, mm-hmm. Cool. Should we go out? We need to go out with something on Let It Be because we, we kind of uh, we went with the, the Tim tracks and then we'll come back and end this. So like we always end this. I think you have to go out on Unsatisfied. Let's do it. Because that's what we just did. Leaf, you know, came to a draw with the replacements, Tim and Let It Be, two of our favorite albums ever, and uh, from, you know, it's uh, arguably our favorite band ever, the replacements. Um, we're going to end this pod like we always end it. Wyndham, what are you listening to? I have, weirdly have a record um, to recommend this week, among nice. the other things, but uh, the Sierra Farrell album is fantastic. I don't know if you've heard it yet. Um, I think she's West Virginian. Um, real kind of old school country in the vein of meta modern sounds, um, kind of a modernish take on on what is, uh, um, I mean, like a you know class, all the trappings of a classic country record, like old school country record. But I love it. You know, I did listen to yeah. it on your recommendation. It's awesome. 
Long Time Coming is the name of the album, and I highly, highly recommend listening to it. I, I have not been wild about that much this year, and I think this is one of the best albums of the year, and it will show up later on our top 21 albums of 21. Um, that said, I watched a, a fun show last night, kind of a goofy... Uh, I was so impressed with White Lotus, I'm having a hard time uh, following it up, but there's a fun... Australian show on Hulu called The Unusual Suspects um, with Miranda Otto, uh, who we know from Homeland, um, that, you know, so far is kind of fun. It's kind of a, a mix of maybe The Slap and Desperate Housewives. Um, it's kind of a revenge of the nannies kind of situation. I'd say the Australian slap, just for people's uh, reference. Not yeah, the, the Australian slap, not the US American. version, which was supposed to be the biggest Sorry. piece of shit ever. Yeah, sorry, I didn't. I meant to make that distinction, and then, um, uh, yeah, I've been reading a lot of Nick Tochis. I read Hellfire, the Jerry Lee Lewis um, biography, which I I think a lot of people hold up as the greatest rock and roll book ever written. I would hold that up right next to Trouble Boys, in my opinion, um, one of the great rock and roll books and one of the craziest stories you'll ever read. I mean, really insane shit uh, that guy got up to. And he, again, you know, like the replacements, completely sabotaged his own career by um, going to England where he was huge in 1957 uh, with his 13-year-old cousin bride on his arm and not lying about it and just saying, yeah, yeah, she's 13 and yeah, she's my wife. And, uh, you know, basically being sent home four days later because of it. Um, completely sabotaged his career. He was neck and neck with Elvis at that point and uh, had a had a clear lane to become a massive star and completely shot himself in the in the foot. So great story, great book. Uh, Jared, what are you listening to? Yeah, so I, I you know I think it's a I have not been as, as prolific as you. Um, we just both actually came back from a family vacation close to West Virginia. Um, and so I've had a lot of time with, with my gal, my girls. And so, um, I was listening to a lot of Demon Slayer or, or watching a lot of Demon Slayer, yeah, yeah. a very violent Jap- Jap- Japanese anime that they're into. And then, um, you know, did finish White Lotus, which, which was beyond fantastic. Um, you know, been to a couple of shows. So just a shout out, we saw Wilco, um, when we got back from Virginia, at um, Harbor Lights, a band that you know I've seen live since '97 through all their iterations, and it was just you know we said it before when our friend we saw our friend Simon O'Connor, uh, also the composer of our theme song Simon Doom, and um, you know it's just it's fun to go out and see live music. The show in particular, we had to show vaccine cards, which was I was glad to do because standing around a lot of people, it's, it can be uncomfortable still. Um, but it was, uh, you know, just a, a good kind of, you know, run through a great career. And, you know, I, I just always appreciate that band. They're one of my faves. They're kind of a band that I grew up with and have seen multiple times, probably as many times as you saw the replacements. Um, but I also just always appreciate the fact that that band is just happy to be doing what they're doing and, and has had such a good career. So um, I haven't been in the yeah. new front much either. And I need to kind of get on some new music because we're probably due for what are you listening to? But um, White Lotus, I also would just shout out again. I know we've talked about it probably too much on this pod, but probably the best TV show I've seen in, in good five years or so. Couple years. It's uh, it's it's fantastic and uh, didn't miss a beat. 
um, really ended well. <laughs> I mean, ended with a plop for sure, and uh, and uh, in a good way. And um, it's just a it's a great great show that that really excited me. Um, and then yeah, I uh, that's what I've kind of been doing. So I have, I need to catch uh, up on some more current stuff, but um, but that's that's where I'm at. For what are you listening to? Song on the, on the uh, list. Sorry, go ahead. I'm gonna make a corny. Uh corny segue and to say uh and speaking of not missing a beat um rest in peace charlie watts when we saw oh, him right. the other Gosh, night yeah how did i forget um we uh we were treated to an encore of wilco and corn tucker from uh sleater kinney doing honky tonk woman um which was one of the sort of signature i think um you know one of the, for a guy who was not a, at all a showy drummer uh, one of the songs that's most drum forward in the Rolling Stones catalog, but he, uh, you know, the preeminent, you know, keeper of the beat and uh, and this like I always the coolest looking stone, coolest. right? I mean, he's yeah. just Charlie just Watts. Guy. Yeah, Charlie Watts never looked like he broke a sweat in his life, and uh, yeah. and was just kind of there and and kept it going um totally forgot and that's how tired i've been lately but yeah thanks for reminding me and thanks for bringing that up that was a lot of fun and also just yeah what a what a great tribute it was cool to see the cedar kinney and will or corn and wilco just bang out a, a fun raucous version um mm-hmm. and it's good to be at the shows again god we need to go to more um all right when uh you want to throw something on i do but i'm going to defer to you first all right i'm going to be a jerk and do two and we're just making up for Christian or not uh, being starting a new job in New York and not being here. So I feel totally fine doing this. Um, we're gonna. I'm gonna take uh, sixteen blue from the replacements just because I talked about how much I love that song. I'm going kind of mellow on both my tracks, and then um, I just I'm gonna go with. A, I've been listening. I listened to "It's a Shame About Ray" yesterday after hearing a pod around the Lemonheads, and you know I'm sure. Not nearly a band that came close to impacting the world like uh, the replacements did or my world, but uh, an album that I really love. And I love the song My Drug Buddy, and I'm going to throw that on with uh, our Wyndham's high school friend, Juliana Hatfield, singing back up there. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, I am going to... I'm going to go one from this pod, then. I'm going to go... Is Left of the Dial on there? It is, yeah. Is Little Mascara on there? Nope. And I'm going to go with Little Mascara. And I'm going to go with, uh, in the spirit of, of local Boston music, um, that nobody considers local Boston music, I am going to go with the late, great Norman Greenbaum's uh, Spirit in the Sky, Malden Mass's own Norman Greenbaum. Nice. Spirit in the Sky. It's a great song. Cool. I love it. it uh, all right. Well, thanks. Let's uh, right. catch up soon. Talk soon. I'm Wyndham Lewis. On behalf of my brothers Jeremy Sartori and Christian Lewis, thank you very much for listening to the Brother, Brother, Brother podcast. Many thanks also to our heroic producer, Damian Kendall, and to Simon Doom for our epic intro music. Learn more about the pod at brotherpod.com, follow us on Twitter and Facebook, and it's extremely helpful if you rate and review us on iTunes. Thanks again for listening.